BuzzFeed's Internet Explorer's podcast that contains adult themes, like the idea of a man discovering that his butthole has a uterus in it that has a baby <laughs> inside, and then him pooping out a, a baby because he's the male version of pregnant, which is mpreg, which, fun fact, is now officially in the BuzzFeed.com style guide. Yeah. Yeah. Our copy editor now has an official BuzzFeed way of spelling mpreg, mm -hmm. which it is- all lowercase. That's right. Just straight mpreg, no dashes, no, no, no frills. Just, hyphens, just yeah. Just mpreg. Welcome to BuzzFeed's Internet Explorer. I'm Ryan Broderick. Welcome. I'm Katie Natopoulos. Hi, Katie. <laughs> I'm in the room with you right now. This is extremely exciting. You are here in the room with me. That's right. Um, I'm seeing your face. I'm looking into your I'm gazing it's into your me eyes. It's deeply uncomfortable. I don't like that. Let's look at our computers for now. I, I'm um. not looking up from it. I'm going to just do what every other white guy does and not make eye contact with anyone on earth. So, this is the end of our series. Yeah. Our crazy uh, Years That Changed the Internet series. It is, and today we are going to be talking all about the year 1999. Yes. It was a crazy year. Basically, like we're talking about how the government doesn't want you to know that actually we all die. <laughs> <laughs> In 2000, and we're cloned, and we're now just in some sort of horrible simulation, kind of like the Matrix. I think it's like a Matrix thing. That's certainly how I feel. We're like naked in one of those weird... Definitely some sort of plasma goo. I was going to say, we're in a goo tube, completely naked with our brains hooked up to computers. But before we get into everything today, I want to thank everyone who's been listening. Any new people that have joined us along the way, sorry, we're... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like... I just want to make sure everyone knows how to find us. You know, we're on SoundCloud. We're on Spotify, mobile only, but still Spotify. We are not on Tidal. Fuck you, Jay-Z. <laughs> um, we are on Acast. Does, does Tidal have any podcasts? I think that we could be the first. Like, How can we be the first podcast on Tidal? I want people to pay $14.99 a month to listen to our horse shit. I, I think that we are just as completely incoherent <laughs> as Life of Pablo, and we deserve to like be on I mean, if nothing else, our artistry is at the same level as Kanye West, so I really don't understand. I mean, we're 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 functioning at genius level here. I mean, I I I feel like I am the Steve Jobs of being Jesus Christ. So, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, a couple months ago, we did an episode about fandoms, mm -hmm. and we mentioned uh, and did a dramatic reading of a brief section of a fa famous, inf a very infamous fan fiction called My Immortal. Mm. Which is, it's sort of like, it's about the world of Harry Potter, but it also involves, like, characters from My Chemical Romance. So it's better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, no one knows if it was a joke or real or who actually wrote it, and it's also like... Much like the Bible. 40,000 words long it's or great. something. It's perfect. Um, and it's absolutely, like, insane and bonkers and crazy. And it caused... Kind of a really incredible reaction among our listeners, apparently, because we just keep getting requests to do it, the entirety of it <laughs> in a dramatic reading. So, just remember, you asked for this. <laughs> uh, this Friday, uh, which would be today, the day that you're listening to me say these words in your ear holes, mm -hmm. uh, we will be doing a dramatic reading of My Immortal on Facebook Live. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely follow our Twitter account, twitter.com slash iExplore. For more details, uh, we will be telling you where you can watch this and hopefully releasing it as uh, a one-off show. Uh, just remember, you you did this. You, yeah, you did this you, to yourself. You did this to yourselves. 
So today we have a couple guests um, that we are super excited about. We're going to have on Olia Lialina. Yes. She's an artist and a programmer, and she has been curating and helping archive GeoCity sites. Right. Because, um, you know, I mean, you know, most people walking down the street, they're just like, I wonder what ever happened to GeoCities.com. Mm-hmm. Well, Olia yeah. knows. I mean, you know, everyone says, oh, it's too bad GeoCities went away, but here's the one person actually doing something she, about she's it. She's collecting the internet. And then we also have, so I'm very excited about this guest. We tracked down the creator and designer of Clippy, mm-hmm. the Microsoft Word <laughs> personal assistant paperclip thing. Yeah, and I hope that if you're like me, that sends shivers down your spine just thinking about using Microsoft Word in the 90s and Clippy popping up and being like, are you writing a letter? Looks like you're making a <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, so we have a really exciting show, and let's let's put on our little old-timey hats and think about back to the year 1999. Up next, we've got some folks from one of the very first social networks, one that I actually didn't even really know existed until I went on a little website called wikipedia.org. Katie, did you did you ever know about Open Diary? Really? You didn't you've never heard about this? I've never heard of Open Diary. Oh. That's cuz you were 9 years old. Yeah, that's probably that's probably true. <laughs> I'm Bruce Abelson. I'm the creator and founder of Open Diary, which was a site that, uh, back in the day, was the first online diary community. Some people say it's the first social network. I don't know if that's true, but it was a place that was very special to me. Hi, I'm Jackie, and my Open Diary name back in the day was, creatively, Jackie. Hi, my name is uh, Russ, and uh, my Open Diary name back in the day was actually Yakko. When I found Open Diary, I was a single mom living in the mountains of Virginia and had a friend who was going through life or death situation in the hospital and I needed to have somewhere to vent. And at the time I was uh, single, had just uh, broken up with a long-term girlfriend and uh, was actually living in the basement of my boss's house um, in Ontario. One of the things that was very special was it felt like a place where anybody could fit in and that sounds you know that sounds almost stupid looking at the online world and and our world today in 2016 i kind of like the voyeuristic aspect of it where you could kind of listen and read uh, other people's you know entries and i came out of there with a husband for one thing um and, you know, for me, the, the most special time was obviously when Jackie and I started meeting and talking and um, obviously after that, getting married and uh, living our lives now together. I miss that feeling of people sharing their real lives. I think what's missing today online is people sharing their true selves. I, you know, I look at Facebook and I look at Twitter and I look at Instagram and they're amazing things. They're amazing uh, in their scale and in how much people share and how much they they create on them. But, but I think all of them are superficial. Probably the, the biggest story was uh, my proposal to Jackie. I felt it was appropriate that uh, because we had met on the diary, that it was the place that I would do my proposal. He called me and told me to go home at lunch 
read the diary and that he would see me later on. So as it turns out, the uh, diary master got the date wrong, <laughs> put the proposal up uh, the day after I had uh, shown up and proposed and when I did show up she was completely unaware and hadn't uh, seen the proposal. He walked into the store where I was working. He had the biggest blush-colored roses you had ever seen. He had gotten lost twice. He was pale and his eyes were bugged. I then had to get down on one knee and kind of say, okay, I'm going to do this the hard way then and ask her to marry me. He popped the ring open in front of the customer service desk in front of everyone and said, will you? And to which I said, excuse me? To which she said, yes. Uh, even if there was just one story like that where it brought two people together who never would have met otherwise, uh, that would be incredible, and, and there were thousands of stories like that. So the actual um, proposal that was posted on the Diary Rep website, uh, we had an amendment at the bottom there that also said, For all who read this, you may wonder why I chose this place to propose. It is because of all the support and kind words that you have offered Jackie and myself as our relationship has blossomed. There are too many to thank individually, but I felt that having you share in this moment was a way of thanking you. We're going to be speaking with Olia Lialina, who is from the One Terabyte of Kilobyte Age uh, website, the GeoCities Institute. That's right. Um, and she, along with Dragon Espensheed, she has been archiving and bringing back to life GeoCities pages that were shut down back in 2009. Hi, Olia. Hi. Hi, this is Katie. <laughs> Hi. Oh, my God. We managed three parties to connect. So we're talking about the year 1999, which, you know, is a is a big year for the world of GeoCities. It's when it gets bought by Yahoo. And for a lot of the users, a lot of the users get angry about this, right? Yeah, that's true. And this uh, this uh, gave away to a lot of protest, angry, sarcastic pages. So can you Tell us about some of the most common tropes or memes or themes that you would see on GeoCities if it was the year 1999 and you were surfing along. Uh, one can say, of course, uh, close to the end of 1999, I can see the pages of uh, people preparing for year 2K or like uh, warning each other. <laughs> or, but most, I, sh I should say that most of these messages are quite ironic. So <laughs> people didn't really believe that uh, that would be the end of the world. Mm -hmm. Big thing that probably very important for <laughs> your uh, program is that it was the year then Internet Explorer was winning over the Netscape. That's our namesake browser, Internet Explorer. That's I mean, absolutely no affiliation whatsoever with Microsoft. And we definitely don't receive any money from Microsoft <laughs> for having that name. <laughs> Yeah. So what is interesting about that is I think to a modern web user, the idea that web pages actually look different on different browsers. I mean, a lot of people might use Safari or Firefox or Chrome, but you don't really notice the difference. But 
it, back then there was a huge difference, right? Like all of a sudden a bunch of web pages just sort of stopped looking right. Throughout all these changes, are there things that are being done on the internet today that you saw starting on the, in the GeoCities era? You know, I think it can be interesting, especially when we talk about 1999. You can see that this year people started to use the word update. Oh, weird. Hmm. So like in so around 1999 you started to see people start to think of a web page not as something static that you're building but something that is alive and always updating and changing. And you also you know that um, there is an urge to update it. Like oh. there are all these messages, sorry I didn't update for a week, sorry I didn't update for a month, oh my god I wasn't here for one year. <laughs> and, uh, oh, so weird. Um. In the sense of, you know, GeoCities was a place where people dedicated time and their effort and their creativity, and then it disappeared. I think this will probably happen again with some other, something that seems to us at the moment, you know, quote unquote, too big to fail. Cough, Twitter, cough, Twitter. What what sort of lesson do you think that we will learn, are we doomed to repeat ourselves with another, you know, GeoCities disappearing? Yeah, you can't, um, you should, uh, if things that are dear for you, you should uh, save them, or you just should, you should understand that it's, you're working or feeding the environment that can cease to exist every moment. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I just wanted to thank you for coming on and talking to us about GeoCities. It's such a weird blip in the internet history. And I think it's an important lesson for our listeners that, like GeoCities, everything you know will eventually cease to exist. Aaliyah, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on and talking about GeoCities. Also, thank you, of course, for all the hard work you've been doing yes. in keeping a little piece of the internet alive. You're a hero. Yeah, thank you very much for being interested in it. <laughs> We have joining us Kevin Atterbury. Kevin, thank you so much. For Hi, Kevin. Hi. Thanks for having me. Um, we are thrilled and delighted. Kevin, Ryan has a question for I have, you. I have a question. It's a, just, a, just, a, just a quick intro question. How does it feel emotionally to be known as history's greatest monster? Well, I, I don't believe I'm the monster. I think <laughs> maybe you think that, uh, that Clippy's the monster, and it, it, it feels great because... You know, it doesn't matter whether you uh, whether you like them or hate them, as long as you're talking about them. I've got cachet. So, so, so in this scenario, would you be Doctor Frankenstein? Yeah, and would yes. be it's kind of like yeah, how Frankenstein I is see. actually Frankenstein's monster, right? You know, and actually, yeah. I'm just Franken uh, Doctor Frankenstein's idea, and uh, Microsoft is the actual doctor. <laughs> <laughs> you were just the lightning bolt <laughs> right. on the corpse, and exactly. they were actually you know engineering it together. Right. So, yeah, so how did this actually, how did you get involved with this project? Yeah. How did Clippy come to fruition? Clippy grew out of a, uh, a failed Microsoft product called Microsoft Bob, but the technology, the, the little helper technology, they, uh, I guess they ported, decided to port it into uh, to Word. And so I, I became part of the, the character development team for uh, little helpers, and, um, you know, Clippy turned out to be, out of about 260 different designs, Clippy became uh, turned out to be the most uh, engaging and friendly and uh, whatever else. We did six months of testing with 
some social psychologists from Stanford and <laughs> well, yada, yada, yada. Well, fire them. Yeah, yeah, seriously, they don't know anything. Uh, so what were you, were there other yeah, was, versions of Clippy that you liked? What were the rejected ones? Yeah. Was, like there like this, not- was there like a horrible mutant Clippy? You know, there was, uh, there was things like, uh, I even had a coffee cup. There was different kinds of animals. I think I had a, uh, an alligator in there. Um, I mean, it just ran the gamut. We had aliens and dogs and cats and and oh one of the, my other ones that did make it was uh although they didn't use my cartoon was the little genius which was the, the mm. Einstein like character they did them in stop motion so you weren't a microsoft employee you were like a contractor i was a time, contractor right? one of the fun things about i like to uh, tell about clippy is that um i designed them on a mac <laughs> no way is that true <laughs> yeah way so we, we got to ask you know Clippy, it, it was a it was a cultural phenomenon. Yeah, you're you're Clippy's dad, <laughs> so to speak. Did you make a lot of money out of yeah. this? Yeah, what, like, what's what, the ching ching? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you Please what. Please tell I, me. I, I, they paid me well at the time, but if I had had one penny for every computer it was on, I'd be set for life. Mm. Right. So, so after like uh, Clippy shipped, I believe you first shipped in like 1997. How long did it take for you to notice? That people were having a particular reaction to Clippy being on their computer. Well, it you know as soon as I finished Clippy, I, I kind of uh, you know, I'd been contracting there for you know uh, several years, and I decided decided to move on, and uh, you know I'd kind of lost my mojo for it, and I had no idea that it was you know going to be that big a thing. And when I found out that people didn't like Clippy, which was odd to, to dis- dislike a character like that. <laughs> um, I, you know, I was embarrassed by it. And for, for the longest time, I, I never told anybody I did it. I, I left it off my resume and, um, oh, wow. until somebody you know, pointed out that, dude, <laughs> whether they like it or not, man, you, you know, he's, he's famous. <laughs> wow. So you grew to hate your own creation. No, I didn't hate him. I was embarrassed of him. Okay. Uh, my dad's, my, yeah. my dad says the parents, same thing about me. Yeah. yeah our, both <laughs> our parents can really relate to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it was, uh, and it took a while, and, and, you know, since then, once I started telling people and including it in, you know, when I was going to get, you know, trying to get gigs and stuff, um, you know, people were really, oh, God, I hate that thing, <laughs> but it's so cool to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like I said, if they, as long as they, they're talking about them, that's all that, that's all that I care about. So, mm. what I think is really fascinating about Clippy is that he, like, he was before Siri. He was before Cortana, Alexa, like right. all these personal assistants. He was like this cheery little guy that was like, looks like you're writing a letter. And, <laughs> you know, what do you think about the difference between him as a personal assistant versus the ones that live in our phones now? You know, do you see that him being the great grandfather of Siri? Sure. Yeah, he can, he can <laughs> kind of be the uh, personal assistant Neanderthal. So I have a question. When you were actually using Microsoft Word, would you turn Clippy off? Um, well, I'll go back to, I mean, I, again, I, I had, um, I, I used a Max. <laughs> I didn't, I never, I never understood the annoyance that, that he would bring to people. That's amazing. I, and, um, and, you know, it was a surprise to me when, when somebody mentioned it to me, I think I, you know, I can, I cannot actually tell you the exact time I was at a friend's office and he was finishing up some stuff. We were going to go grab some lunch and he said something about, oh, I, I hate that, you know, that thing. And, um. I said, "Oh, I, I designed it," and he thought I was crazy. He thought I was lying. But, uh, oh my god! I didn't tell anybody. So there's actually I don't know if you're aware of this. Uh, someone wrote and put out there you can buy it as an Amazon Kindle single uh, erotic fan fiction about Clippy. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it. I haven't <laughs> bought it. And I've, 
I, I just read a little bit of it online. <laughs> um, what did you think of it? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm an old guy. I, I, <laughs> whatever you kids want up to, as long as you're talking about Clippy. <laughs> uh, if you had any advice for the people out there who are making a personal assistant, you know, mm-hmm. they're giving birth to, to, to the, the Clippy great-great-great-great-grandchildren, what would you give to the person who wants to make a personal assistant and want people to like it? What, what do you think Clippy went wrong? What do you, what do you think? Um, it- well, I, I don't think Clippy went wrong in the design. I think he's a very likable and uh, an engaging uh, fellow. And in fact, when they tested him, you know, that, that's, they were tested very static. I, like I used to say, I, I, I just designed the character, not the functionality. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the functionality is what people didn't like. My dad says the same thing about me. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're um, a good-looking kid, but uh, you don't like your functionality. The way I do stuff is just, yeah, not good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, yeah. Kevin, thank you so yeah, much you. Uh, hey, for talking with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. We are grateful for you talking to us, but we are also, we hate you forever for what you've done. <laughs> You know, uh, this series has been about identifying the great monsters of a particular time period. You know, mm-hmm. in 2010, we had 4chan. Mm-hmm. In 2005, it was America's obsession with uh, reality TV show uh, mm-hmm. celebrities. And in 1999, it was a little bastard paperclip mm-hmm. that haunted me forever. And, and you know, I, I joke. I actually, Clippy, Clippy's pretty cool. Uh, I, I actually find Clippy sort of attractive. And we're not the only people to find Clippy attractive. No, we're certainly not. Uh, In fact... There's lots of you out there. Yeah, there's lots of you. And in fact, um, there is indeed... uh, (laughs) You can purchase this now on Amazon as a Kindle single. Um, It is an erotic short story written by Leonard Delaney, um, uh, a very talented writer, uh, called Conquered by Clippy. And and this fan fiction, you know, we play... We play it pretty fast and loose with our language on this show, but it's re I gotta say, like it's pretty yeah, gross. Yeah, this is actually like you know, we give a like ha like yeah. parental advisory, yeah. like we're gonna say swear words, but like this is actually too gross. Like Ryan and I tried reading this aloud no. to each other and like couldn't even get through it. We were too embarrassed. So we're actually gonna have our producer Julia read yeah, it. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna make her do it instead. Clippy seemed to sense it. It looks like you're trying to reach orgasm. Can I assist you using butt stuff? She nodded, beads of sweat jiggling on her forehead. With his rod so deep inside of her, Clippy was easily able to pick her up like a kebab and flip her over onto her hands and knees. He curled so that one end could reach her butt while keeping the other end in her pussy. Clippy wasn't the first living inanimate object that Christy had made love to, but she had never felt anything like this. He got his end to vibrate like an Xbox controller as he twiddled the rim of her ass. At the same time, his other end pushed internal buttons she didn't even know were there. Just before she came again, she glanced back. Clippy's eyes whirred shut with pleasure. Curled like that, he looked like a giant letter C. But before she could further ponder where he came from, he came from both ends. She felt both of her holes fill up with whatever substance paper clips admitted. She hoped this didn't make her pregnant again. Let's let's go into one of our favorite sections, which is where we ask each other questions about in the year 1999, what each of us was doing. Yeah. And I think that this is going to 
explain a lot about exactly what was going on this year. It's also going to be quite different because the age difference between you and me, Ryan, is going to really be pronounced here. You yeah. were nine years old. Yes. <laughs> and so I graduated high school in 99. So I was, you know, a senior in high school slash freshman in college. <laughs> right. And you were literally a tiny child in third grade. Um, you could you you were just starting to read chapter books. It, this was this was one year after my first concert, which was Smash Mouth at Suffolk Downs in the Boston area for Mix ninety eight point five's Mix Fest, which was like the Goo Goo Dolls, Smash Mouth, Bare Naked Ladies. It was a great concert. Uh, Katie, ask your first question because this will be interesting. <laughs> we oh yeah, by the way, we've been asking each other the same questions. Yeah, so this has been the same question the whole time. I feel a little weird asking this, realizing that you were a nine-year-old child at this time, but how did you find porn in 1999? <laughs> well, let's see. If I was nine, I think we're probably a couple years off from me really discovering porn or even, like, the ability to, like, know sex feelings. <laughs> um, but I guess, like, let's 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 say around, like, the this two- to three-year, four-year age span, it happened. Uh, and it it probably wasn't the internet. It was probably uh, scrambled porn, which weirdly I have tried to. So I wanted to do like a BuzzFeed post, like X things you know if you were like a ten year old boy at like this time this year, and literally just have it be nothing but screenshots of scrambled porn. But then I discovered, <laughs> you know, like I thought that'd be like really good, you know. But I then discovered that there almost is like no record of scrambled porn existing on the internet because it was it, it was a it was a totally analog phenomenon it was a thing that didn't ever get uploaded because by the time you could upload proper images to the web you were obviously loading in decent pornography you know well but also it would this would be on your television so no one was going to take a picture of right. Exactly. A television with just fuzz on it. Yeah, it's not the same as like, you know, waiting up late at night, everyone going to bed and then just desperately trying to see if you can find a nipple. Because uh, it wasn't even like you're watching mm -hmm. hardcore pornography uh, scramble. It was like softcore, what today would probably just be a show on AMC. Like, anyways, um, so yeah, that's what that's that's what I was doing. Um, thanks, Katie, though, for asking a nine-year-old boy how they look at porn. That's super weird. Um <laughs> So, okay, next question. Katie, how were you hurting people's feelings on the internet in 1999? Great question, Ryan. Glad you've been asking me this repeatedly. Um, <laughs> you know, I like to think of that I'm a nice person and that I, you know, overall am good. Um, but, you know, I've done things that, you know, may have constituted cyberbullying in my past. Um, I'm older and wiser and regret these things now. Um in 1999, I was in college, and there was this guy who was sort of like friends with some of my friends. I didn't know him too well, but everyone, his name was Carl, and everyone kind of made fun of him and called him Hot Carl, which is like kind of like a Cleveland steamer. Like it's like a sex yeah, yeah. move that involves poop that literally no one in the world has ever done, but it's like on Urban Dictionary. I've done it. And so everyone called him Hot Carl, and... I so 90 I mean this is the first time I'm a freshman in college it's the first time ever that I have my own computer I have a laptop I have a T1 ethernet line for the first time I have fast internet and so I what I did was I um I created a GeoCity site right and I dedicated this 
page to kind of making fun of Hot Carl. I <laughs> used all these photos. I used Photoshop to take a picture of him, and I used this photo of him. I cut out his face and I posted it onto a bunch of different situations. Like uh, I found like a still from uh, Family Matters and I posted his face over Urkel and it just said like, did I do that? Oh, wow. I mean, this is like kind of horrible and abusive. I mean, at the time I thought it was like funny and like maybe he'd get a kick out of it too, you know, like it's right. kind of like this playful ribbing. But I mean, the truth is I didn't really know him that well. So you're just <laughs> being was, a bully. And I had no reason to be like... It wasn't like he had personally offended me or anything, <laughs> but it was only in the in the service of attempting to cyberbully someone right. that I learned HTML. I learned Photoshop. I really like had to teach myself so many computer skills just to get to this point. That's amazing. <sighs> Anyways, Ryan. Yes. How were you? stealing content at this time. So I had to think a little bit about this, and um, I I remembered how I did it. And this is, this is, okay, we, we always joke that, like, you know, I'm a nerd. Uh, it doesn't hurt my feelings. Every time you say it, it's fine. But this is probably the nerdiest I think I've ever, I've ever been. So I got a really nice printer, and I forgot that, like, around this time is when printers started to get really good. <laughs> and... I didn't do the cool thing, which would have been bootlegging Pokemon cards. That would have been awesome. And if I had been a cooler child, that's the story I'd be telling. But no. So I basically tried to like make my own card game out of Sonic the Hedgehog characters and wasted all of my parents' printer ink. So that's like copyright <laughs> infringement, and I was stealing from my parents. Oh, so my that God. Was, that was how I was stealing content. Wow. <laughs> Ryan, that is that is Ryan times 100. Yeah. I eventually discovered Magic the Gathering years later, and I was like, fuck, they figured out how to make a good card game. <laughs> but I had, like, dreams of, like, selling my card game to Wizards of the Coast, which is, like, a company that makes card games. Like, it was so stupid. But, like, you know, what could have been? Who knows? Wow. So, I mean, so, I mean, for me, 1999 was the year that Napster came out. Right. You know, and not that long later in the year 2000, that's when uh, Metallica and Dr. Dre sued right. uh, Napster. Well, you're, so, you're sort of, I think you're sort of answering my, my last question, but the last question I've been asking on this series is, you know, you're hip, you're cool. In, in 1999, you're in college, you know, you're... Smoking weed with one of those like boofer things that like is full of like air fresheners so that when you blow smoke through it, the smoke smells like not weed. I don't know if you did that. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I definitely never did that. Anyways, um, what was cool, Katie, in, in 1999? What were you doing that was really cool in 1999? Well, you know, I mean, I think that what was very cool in the year 1999 that was universally very cool and I was extremely into was professional wrestling. Oh, boy. But there were all these websites where people would trade, goth like, sort of behind-the-scene gossip. And I was just fascinated. And I had, like, 20 different wrestling blogs bookmarked. And I would check them every single day. So that was what I was really into. I... You know, I hesitate to say this was very cool because that's not cool in the classic sense of cool, but it was wildly popular. It's and, the least cool thing that you've ever um, told me. I mean, honestly, I, it's changing my entire <laughs> opinion of you. Yeah. Katie, what's what's the weirdest thing you've learned from doing this, do you think? I mean, I think that learning today that you... Oh, man. 
created your own set of Pokemon oh, cards man. using the Sega characters was personally one of the most Ugh. disturbing things. But, you know, I mean, I, I think more than anything, I hadn't sort of thought in such a long-term way the sort of shape of the Internet and uh, it having its own morality almost. Um, you know, I think we think of it as like, well, there's these technical changes and – you know, 99 looked like GeoCities and 2005 looked like MySpace and 2010 looked like Facebook. But we are not really thinking about the sort of human experience that was really right. fueling all that. Are we better off now? Um, I think what has struck, struck me the most about all this is that I think the Internet now is far less authentic. You think about GeoCities and it's like, oh, I'm just like fucking around and making, you know, for instance, hypothetically some absolute chud of a person makes a wrestling GeoCities page, you know, they do that because <laughs> they seem to like wrestling. But now it's like, oh, I'm going to make this Instagram project for my baby, and hopefully, you know, my baby gets popular enough that I can quit my job and just take photos of my baby on Instagram as a job, you know? <laughs> like, whatever happened to the love of the game? You know, I don't want to end this on a sour note, too. I actually do think the Internet's a lot more fun now. It's just a, it's a different kind of fun. Yeah, I think it's just it's there's not the Internet and then there's society. They're just they're one and the same. Yeah. Even in 2010, which is, you know, the most recent year we talked about, the Internet is still very different from actual society. Right. I think you're right. It was a it was a simpler time. Yeah, it was. And you know? if you liked this series and you have ideas for more years that you want us to dig into, based on the responses already, I think we're probably going to do this again in a couple months, you know, six six or eight mm -hmm. months. So if you have a year that is really really important to you, send it over to Internet Explorer at BuzzFeed.com. Thank you for listening to the series. And you and if you if this is the first one you're hearing, what's wrong with you? Go back, listen to all the <laughs> other ones, and you can check them out on Spotify, mobile, SoundCloud iTunes, Acast, and, you know, I'm sure someone's pirating them and translating them into, like, Bulgarian on some message board. You can check them out there, too. <laughs> I would love a Bulgarian <laughs> version of us. Yeah, it's like The Simpsons where you hear, like, the different international <laughs> voices. Yeah, um, this is this has been a this has been a fun journey. It has um, been a fun Thanks, journey. everyone, for coming along with us. A um, colonoscopy through time. And, uh, you know, we'll see you next week back in the year 2016. Yeah. And uh, I want to give a shout-out to our producer, Julia. If she was a annoying personal assistant, I would say she would be Cortana. Because, um, like, I don't know anyone that uses a Windows phone. Interesting. Um, well, also a big thanks to uh, Jenna Weiss-Berman. If she was an annoying personal assistant, she would be uh, Smithers from The Simpsons. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> if Meg Kramer was a personal assistant, she would be Siri. Because, like, she's intimidating, but she's got, like... She's got like some like cheeky mm -hmm. undertones, you know, mm -hmm. like series, series of cheek. And also thanks to Eleanor Kagan. If she was an electronic personal assistant, she would be Alexa. Um, what the is Amazon, Alexa? It's the Amazon one where you get that weird like sort of like cylinder that sits in your house and uh. you're like, Alexa, order me more Doritos. And then like, or you're like, Alexa, what's the weather? <laughs> but apparently, I don't know if you've heard about this, but there was like an NPR segment about Alexa and like it kept talking about Alexa and like it was like making people's Alexas go haywire because it like anytime you say Alexa it like wakes up and it's like yes master oh man <laughs> so it would be like yeah people are using Alexa to order Doritos and then it oh, would be so like funny. order Doritos I hope that that's what's happening right now to someone's Alexa <laughs> listening to this podcast Alexa uh, yeah Alexa yeah kill <laughs> <laughs> but see that's exactly what Eleanor would do Alexa take the knife from the kitchen counter <laughs> see <laughs>
Eleanor would definitely murder someone <laughs> on command. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's, she's Alexa because she's the AI that's most likely going mm-hmm. to murder everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Paul Ruiz. Uh-huh. Of Argo Studios. Thank him. Thank you so much for letting us uh, come in and and record here. And thank you to Tanline. I guess Tanline. They too, would yeah. they would just be a band that makes our theme song. Yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot. Yeah. I I like milk. And <laughs> 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 thinking about hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good Ted Cruz impression.